0: Welcome to Rocktel Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about fifteen minutes with your buddies Tim, Treg, and Ryan, three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktel Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all time and other interesting musings about the music and the rockers who inspire us. Today's Rocktel Hour is brought to you by UtelConcerts.com, which is dedicated to spreading the love of live music. Check out UtelConcerts.com where you can read and submit concert reviews, enter contests for free tickets, view concert photos, and see an extensive calendar of upcoming shows in the L.A. area. utellconcerts.com, because when you tell concerts, it's cooler. In today's Rock Tell Hour, Treg is going to talk
1: to us about More Than a Feeling by Boston. Thanks, Ryan. More Than a Feeling, one of my favorite songs. It was on Boston's self-titled debut album, which was released in 1976. For many years, it was the best-selling debut album in the United States with 17 million sales. And it was only eclipsed in 2008 by Guns N' Roses' Appetite of Destruction when it was certified as selling 18 million copies. More Than a Feeling was Boston's first single. It was the first track off of the album and the first single by the band. And it is on Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time, number 500. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Just made the cut. That's right. I think it should be much higher. It is a a phenomenal song. Love it. But there is a lot of great rock and roll out there for sure. Well, Tom Schultz uh, wrote this song. He was a graduate of MIT, has a master's in mechanical engineering. So we're talking about a very brilliant engineer. He was also at the time working for Polaroid as a product design engineer until this album was released. According to Rolling Stone magazine, Schultz was inspired by the heart-tugging mood of the Left Bank's 1967 song, Walk Away, Renee. The, the lyrics are no great mystery. It's reminiscing about a familiar old song and about people who have come and gone in the life of the author, and in particular one woman named Marianne. But the interesting story about more than a feeling is not about the meaning of the song which is pretty apparent but it's about how it was recorded. So Schultz played this song and, and some other songs that he had written live uh, with some local bands in hopes of being discovered and he also recorded them on demo tapes in expensive studios but the recording companies repeatedly turned him down and he re- he said that he realized that no one was really listening while they played live as well and, and the interesting quote that he says is The music in my mind was not making it onto the demo tapes. Now, you know, that's a theme that I find um, quite often in the songs that we talk about, that, that the artists have this vision of what the song should sound like, and they work for hours and hours and hours in order to get the sound just exactly right. Well, this is the exact same story with this one. So Schultz set up his own recording studio in his basement with some technology that he acquired working at Polaroid. He said, I built a crude multi-track tape machine and sequestered myself in my basement. There I could experiment alone, playing all the instruments myself, one track at a time, until I was satisfied with the results. So when you listen to the song, it's that's him playing all of the instruments except for the drums. And then, of wow. course, the vocals um, were Brad Delp, which is one of the greatest vocalists in, in rock. So once, he, once Schultz was satisfied with the recording of the instrumental portion of the six songs. Then Brad Delp came in and laid down the vocals on the tracks for him. And Schultz said that Brad's voice brought the music to life. Well, they finally got a label interested in these demos and they inked a deal with Epic. But Epic refused to allow them to use the original six-song demo as the actual album. I mean, Schultz had recorded this, he'd played it, he thought that it was a a finished project, ready to go. Exactly. But the... uh, the label wanted him to record it again in a professional recording studio and of course he objected to this because that was not the way that he was used to working. And he knew that in order for it to, to for him to get the sound exactly as he wanted and exactly perfect that he was going to have to do it in his basement. So the engineer for Epic pulled him aside and said, hey, you know, let's do this. You go work on this in your basement. You put it together the way that you want to. And I'll distract the recording company. I'll take Brad Delp and and some of the other members of the band, and we'll go to L.A., and we'll go in a recording studio. And they spent some time recording some of uh, Brad Delp's songs in the recording studio while Schultz worked uh, at home in his basement on the songs. And then when Schultz was finished, they got together and went in the studio and uh, mixed it and overdubbed uh, the vocals from Brad Delp. And there you get the finished project. Wow, amazing. And the interesting thing about it, too, was yeah. that the uh, the producer said that he would split the uh, the producer royalty with Tom Schultz. And, and he was thrilled because he thought, hey, I just want to do it because I'm a perfectionist. I want to do it the way that I want. And he thought, hey, I get paid for doing it, too. That's fantastic. Fair. So the new recordings in Schultz' basement were nearly identical to what he had recorded before, except that Barry Goudreau joined him to play the lead guitar on Long Time, and Fran Sheehan played uh, the bass track for Foreplay. So there's one other interesting story about More Than a Feeling. When Mike Huckabee ran for president in 2008, he used this song at some of his campaign rallies. And uh, Mike Huckabee actually played uh, bass on, on some of the events. And he was joined by uh, the former guitar guitarist, Barry Goudreau. And this didn't go over, over very well with Tom Schultz. And so he wrote Huckabee a letter, and it was reprinted in Rolling Stone magazine. And Schultz wrote, While I'm flattered that you are fond of my song, I'm shocked that you would use it and the name of Boston to promote yourself without my consent. Your campaign's use of more than a feeling, coupled with the representation of one of your supporters as a member of Boston, clearly implies that the band Boston, and specifically one of its members, has endorsed your candidacy, neither of which is true. Your claim that this was the guy who originally did it is a bit mystifying since he never played on that recording, nor has he been of Boston since he left my band over a quarter century ago after performing with us for only three years. So Schultz went on to say that he that his band would n- never endorse a political candidate. And, and then he said, with all due respect, we wouldn't start by endorsing a candidate who is the polar opposite of most everything Boston stands for. <laughs> uh, yeah, wow. In fact, I'm impressed that you learned my bass guitar part on More Than a Feeling. I am an Obama supporter. While this may seem a a little thing to you, Boston has been my life's work. And the response from uh, Huckabee's campaign was, Governor Huckabee plays Sweet Home Alabama. Does this mean Leonard Skinner is endorsing him? He plays Louie Louie. Does that mean the Kingsmen are endorsing him? Uh, Interesting. I'm
0: not sure what the song means to his campaign anyway what that would have meant <laughs> I don't more than a feeling or how a was, feeling how was how well, he relating he just made
2: him cool you know to be playing <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. He somebody from yeah. Boston Exactly. Huckabee did not have the cool factor yeah. in that election <laughs> no. so I mean he did everything obviously. he obviously right. he wasn't like Bill Clinton who went on right. Arsenio right. Hall and played the saxophone yeah. exactly that was
1: awesome but it sounds like that's what he was trying to capture was Definitely. something yeah, like absolutely. that absolutely yeah so I still love this song and what's it been 37 years now since it was released and it's still one of the greatest songs ever. I loved love to hear it, and it, it's amazing to me to think that it's Tom Schultz who's playing most of the instruments that you hear, yeah. and yeah. and then overlaid with Brad Delp's vocals. You know that that
0: song doesn't have any doesn't have a '70s vibe to it at all. In fact, growing up, I think I thought that was an '80s yeah. song. It does and have an it, '80s feel. I it does really have an yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. In fact, it, it kind of yeah. seems timeless. I I love that song and. Um, it seems to have surpassed, you know, many, many decades, don't you think?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think I think a reason that it sounds has sort of an eighties sound is I think that this sound that Tom Schultz created in his basement with his own equipment is is it, it fueled the sound of the eighties. And they've, they've been bigly really criticized. True. Yeah, yeah. That. that's probably true. It was it's probably a little
2: ahead of yeah. its time. It's that clapping sound yeah. throughout the song. That's what it is. <laughs> I yeah. like the cowbell of the 70s so the clapping yeah. and it sounds um even beyond the music uh the vocals are yeah. very very 80s mm-hmm. and it is isn't reminiscent of um you know Led Zeppelin or Jethro Tull or Black Sabbath where it was really growly and guttural. rolling. No. yeah, right. it's more poppy almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like... yeah, that would be a good way to to describe it. Actually, it's more like Journey. It exactly. you know, sounds a lot much... like Steve Perry. Yes. Right. And Steve Perry, uh although, you know, a lot of Journey's Bigger hits were prior to the '80s, you know. Journey is is always tied to the '80s for me. I think. Me too. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of people criticize Boston for for being corporate rock. Crap! If they're en- if they're endorsing <laughs> Mike Huckabee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Tom Schultz takes great exception to this because, you know, he he created this sound in his basement. Uh, he has fought with recording companies for years and years was heavily in litigation with the, with the recording companies who who were trying to force him to put out more music than at, at, at the pace that they were interested rather than the pace that he was interested in i don 't think that 's an accusation that could stick. These are not guys that bowed to the whims of of corporate uh, suits who were who demanded uh, that certain music be put out and, and then a certain sound he certainly did the music
2: on his own and did, yeah. you know well, I think it's disingenuous to say that they're that they're not corporate sellouts when they're when they're endorsing GOP candidates. <laughs> you know, I think they invented the trickle down theory of, of rock and roll stardom. <laughs> right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Are you cutting that? No, but I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, especially when you look at, uh, I mean, if the demos he'd recorded were totally different than what the record company asked him to record, then I could see that. But, you know, if they were basically not changed, yeah. Um, obviously he, he, he stuck to his, his values and to what he wanted
2: the, it, the Boston to sound like.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
2: I always kind of thought, and, and I'm not saying this in a, in a bad way, uh, I'm not saying this to malign Boston. I, Boston's great. Uh, but I always kind of felt like they sounded a little bit like uh, Asia and Toto and I think again, that's why they get um, people seem to think that they're from the eighties as opposed to the yeah. 70s. And I was
1: going to say, but they predate those bands. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. They mm-hmm. yeah. do. You know, it's, Boston has such a highly engineered sound. Obviously, this is this is not your garage rock type sound, which I love so much. But and, and I'm usually not a huge fan of of the over engineered sound, but they do it so well. The thing that surprised me is how well they sound in concert. I've seen them two times in concert, and both times I was blown away I, I expected that it would that they wouldn't sound as good in concert as they as they do um on the album because the the sound is so highly engineered yeah but by the time I saw them in the nineties and uh, in the 2000s, uh, they had their live act down, and i I thought uh that it was phenomenal nice. it was you know one of the best concerts I've ever been to okay. I, can all, I always respect a band that can sound
2: as good live as they yeah, do absolutely. on their albums yeah. yeah um do you find though that because they're so careful to craft an exact sound uh for their albums and and to turn a song into exactly what their original vision of the song was that they lose some originality uh in their songs to me um the only criticism i would give of boston is that boston's music sounds like boston Hmm. And, and you know, a lot of bands um, that, that we talk about, and I would put Boston up in the ranks of some of the greats, um, you know, from the 70s, uh, but I will say that bands like Led Zeppelin, uh, bands like Jethro Tull, uh, they seemed like they were constantly reinventing themselves. You know, the Beatles were, again, we've talked about the Beatles before, transitioning from one type of band into a completely different type of band. And the the things that I admire most about um, the bands that I just mentioned is that they are so original. I kind of feel like Boston isn't always uh, as original sound, although when you listen to their music, it's very tight and, and you see the creativity in it. But it almost feels like if they could have let themselves go a little bit, what what would the sound have been like maybe? Who knows, you know, yeah. since it was
1: Tom Schultz who was playing everything, it's hard for him to do that yeah. all, you know, live or any Yeah. And, and that's then, how he we're... continued through the, his albums then, huh? It was so. all it was all him. At least the first two. Yeah, really? I think so. And
0: not not being familiar with Boston that much, besides, you know, some of their hits, did they have a lengthy
1: uh, you know, what is what's the word I'm looking for? A lengthy catalog? They, uh, they spent a lot of time be- working on albums between albums, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, they don't have a huge catalog. But what they did put out is very good. Right. You know, one thing I was going to say is uh, it seems like there's, there's some artists like John Lennon that can sit down and pen a song in, an, in a morning, and he could probably record it later that day and do a phenomenal job mm-hmm. on the fly. Yeah. One take. Yep. <laughs> and there's other guys, you know, there's other bands, Boston, Queen, who have a really highly engineered sound, and and where you have an artist with a vision of what they want it to sound like, and they are not going to finish until it sounds exactly like they want it to. I can appreciate that. I, I'm I a bit of perfectionist. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's it's interesting that to to see great quality music that that stands up after 40 years from both types of musicians. Yeah, and this may
0: not be a popular opinion, but I actually like really engineered sound I like a good clean sound on on a, a good pop rock song I mean I, I appreciate the other side too you know I appreciate a more grungy hard rock sound but yeah. with Boston their their music is so clean and crisp I, I I it really makes me appreciate them more I think yep
1: absolutely
2: well as I say I don't dislike Boston but that would be my criticism I like the idea that at any moment while I'm listening to a recording that they could still make a mistake. Uh, you know, and you know, no uh, no insult towards Boston. I, I, think they're, I think they're great.
0: Thanks, Treg, for telling us about Boston's More Than a Feeling. Please email us at dudes at com if you think we got it all wrong, if you have an interesting rocktail of your own, or if you have a recommendation of a song that would be a good subject for Rocktail Hour. If you think we're just lame, well, keep that to yourself. Also, like us on our Facebook page, Rocktail Hour, and follow us on Twitter as well. Until the next rocktel hour, rock on.